welcome to the Made It In Music podcast. I'm Riley Taylor, our community manager here at Full Circle Music, and I'm so excited for you to hear this upcoming episode because today I sat down with Seth Mosley for an Ask Me Anything session with our live online audience from our Song Chasers community. Today we will be talking about making money in music. This was recorded along with our live online audience from our Song Chasers community. You can learn more about songwriting and find other music industry resources at fullcirclemusic.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Um, yeah, so today's going to be a little bit a uh, little bit chill. We're, we're going to treat it just kind of like an AMA, just an ask me anything. I feel like coffee chats, we kind of talk about stuff, but this is really a chance mm-hmm. for, for us to, for me to get to answer any questions that you guys have, um, specifically about our theme this month. And I'd love to focus the questions and conversation along those mm-hmm. lines. Um, if you have other unrelated questions, definitely can save those for coffee chats. Um, but yeah, this month is all about making money in music, which is a huge topic. Um, obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of us that don't necessarily do music for our full-time living, where it's more of a passion, but I think we would all um, desire to see our music used and monetized. And really, when I when I think of monetization, it's just representing that the song's having an impact somewhere like that. It's just kind of like a scorecard in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like the more I'm, I'm making on a song, the more I know more people are listening to it. And that's yeah. ultimately um, really what it's about at the end of the day. Um, so we had a really great training yesterday, yesterday yeah. with manifest talked about Spotify. Was anybody else on for that? Give me some shout outs in the chat. If you like that thumbs up. If you haven't watched it replays up. Please rewatch it was really, that. Really awesome. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, it's great. I learned a ton. I did too. It's. I feel like it's stuff that, like, you know, deep down, but then it's just like. I think it was a really good reminder for a lot of us, and just a really good encouragement as well. Yeah. As we're like closing out the year, entering twenty twenty three. Yeah, I feel like it was really great. For sure. Yeah, Jessica definitely says it was excellent. Dave's gonna yeah. check out the replay. Yeah. I would definitely recommend, even if you saw it yesterday, go watch the replay because. <laughs> We were moving fast through stuff. Harry's session with Manifest was great. Yeah. And I will say with that, uh, he is doing a Spotify training challenge. Um, he just finished one up, which is why uh, we kind of didn't jump in on that one. Over the other network. Uh, yeah. He's doing another one uh, mid-January. And um, I'm going to get you guys all the details for that. Um, so you'll have all the links. And so that y'all could jump on that. I can't remember if it's like a five-day or 14-day. I think it might be a five-day uh, challenge uh, and really just how to grow your fan base on Spotify. So, <laughs> um, so one of the things that I that I took away from it was he and, and he he was really cool about just sort of opening up his analytics account and yeah. just showing us yeah. inside what that looks like and showing the effects of releasing a song in an EP or album strategy versus singles one at yeah. a time. <laughs> and it's crazy. I mean, like. If you go down his list of songs on the record, like the ones that just came out on just the record, mm-hmm. they're like, you know, 50, 60,000 streams versus like millions, million. yeah. you know, millions on, in some cases yeah. on, 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 uh, songs that got, were able to get pitched to playlists mm-hmm. and those type of things. So that's crazy. So yeah, today's all about you. It's, it's ask me anything. Um, what questions do you all have as it relates to making money? in music um any any question related to that 
Let's uh, let's start with Dave Langdon. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. I guess I'll get the ball started with uh, like so. I'm I'm thinking my my path forward if I want to go into at least somewhat full time um, in the next few years. It's looking like production is the best path for me, but my passion is songwriting. So I've found that when I'm doing paid gigs for people, I've found that it's harder to do things that I don't have uh, creative, um, you know, that I'm not part of the songwriting, right? So if it's uh, something I, I feel like I need to be passionate about it, and sometimes I get projects that it's just hard when they want it a certain way, and I'm, I'm seeing something else. And so I guess my question is, um, you know, if, if my passion is songwriting, but I don't really see a path forward initially um, to make a lot of money that way, um, and it's, if it's going to be production that I can make money, um, how, do you, how do you strategize to, to keep a viable production business when, you know, I could keep myself busy product producing my own songs, but I'm not going to make as much money doing that. I got to find clients, but finding the right kind of clients that that I, I feel that ownership of the music as well. Uh, is it just a matter of finding artists to to write with and and produce their music? Yeah, you're, you're hitting on a really important subject. And that's the fact that when you make a decision to make a full-time leap to where you're basically saying music is going to be my income and my income relies on it. You've all of a sudden shifted the dynamic where a lot of the decisions aren't necessarily because of passion. And they're just because, especially in the, in the building years. And I would consider the building years, like, you know, the first several years, like it's going to be a while. Um, there was a lot of projects when I was first starting out that like, I was actually just talking to one of the guys uh, who is clean in the studio today and he's into like metal music and hardcore and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, I used to do a lot of that when I was in, uh, in, in Ohio, when I first got into it, I was never like that big of a fan of like hardcore and metal, but it was just what was coming through the studio. And so I grew to appreciate it, but they weren't like songs I was writing or songs I was super passionate about. It was like literally the same song over and over again with a breakdown and then screaming and then a breakdown and then another <laughs> breakdown. And then, uh, so it, 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 it was definitely like you, when you're in, when you're in it in that sense, and I was new and really just kind of trying to learn the craft. Um, the, the, the thing that I had to look for was like, okay, there was probably, at least if, if I think back to that time, um, probably one out of every like five or six or seven projects was something I could really get into. Like the other ones were kind of just like, I'm going to do the best job I can on this, make your song sound as good as I physically can. But it doesn't necessarily have to be something I'm passionate about. Um, so that's the rub. The big rub that you're going to find is if you choose to make the leap to say music is also all of a sudden going to become my full-time income. You're going to have to start saying yes to a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily for the sake of passion. It's just for the sake of needing to pay the bills. Right. So there is some reality to that. Um, and again, why I kind of talk to a lot of people of like, okay, well you, you could choose to do that. You could to choose to make the, make that your, 
um, make that your path. And, and I actually think that can be a good thing. There can be a big advantage to working on stuff that you're not passionate about just because it's, it's getting the reps in. It's the more I worked on that, like my stuff that I work on today that I actually am passionate about is better because I did all those thousand metal bands from middle of nowhere, Ohio, <laughs> that nobody will ever hear. Um, so I do think there's something to be said of that. But I also do think there's something to be said of, okay, well, if I got to make my living somehow in songwriting, like in the music business, I would say songwriting is probably the slowest way to get there. Um, it can be good over the long haul, but it is, it is a long, it's, it's a long journey. So you have to have other things that are kind of funding your passion on your way there. And for some people that is just having another job or a part-time job or a side mm -hmm. hustle for other people, like, which I actually think, like I said, is a good thing is getting your feet wet, actually doing stuff in the music business, even if it's stuff that you're not necessarily passionate about, it's at least taking your skill set forward that will apply to the other stuff that you're working on in that space. So um, I know of guys that end up becoming mix engineers, like they're not necessarily super passionate about every single song that they mix, but it's they, they look at it as a service. Um, I always go back to my time with Reed Shippen earlier on, who's a Grammy winning mix engineer and producer. And he, he, he mixed a lot of the first records, first Newsboys records I worked on in Nashville. And, um, I just, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again, just for those who haven't heard it. Um, I was in the studio with, uh, Michael Tate, who was a singer formerly from DC talk. It was him, it was the manager and Reed. And then me, we were just sitting there listening to the mix and, um, I was super nervous. Like I was like new kid. Like, I hope, I hope they're going to like this. Like, you know, and uh, this is a guy that I grew up listening to. This is big wig manager, dude. And uh, he, at the end of the song was just like, you could tell they just were not into it. They were not feeling it. And he was basically just like, uh, Reed, I think we need to kind of start from scratch on this one. And I was waiting for there to be like a fight that broke out in the studio. Cause he's like, you're sitting here looking at this guy's Grammys over on the shelf. And you're telling this guy, hey, we need to start over again on this. Like, that's like, oh, this could go one of two ways. And I learned so much in that moment and just how he responded. And he was he was just like, OK, so he wiped everything, started a completely new session. And we just literally stripped it back and sat there for hours, just digging, digging through all the stuff and figuring out what was what was the gold, what wasn't. Um, and after that, I stayed and Peyton and, and the manager had left. And I was like, uh, I was, I asked Reed, I was like, so is that like a normal part of the job? Like, do you get angry when that happens? Do you get pissed off when that happens? He's like, no, man, it's just, it's a service business. Like what we do is a service business. Yes. It's, it's a service business in the creative field, but we are serving the artists. Ultimately, if we are songwriters and producers, it's a service business. We're serving the artist at the end of the day, whoever we're writing with, whoever we're producing records for. And then that, that, that leads us into, okay, well, so there's the importance of having an artistic outlet. And maybe you have a project that you put your own stuff out. And that's why people do artist records, artist projects. Even if it's not the most commercially successful thing, I think it can be important in certain seasons to have that, whatever that outlet is, whether you have a sync project or maybe you, just are super passionate about folk music and you're like, I need an outlet to do this. Like that can be your artist thing. And so you kind of have to, uh, yeah, again, in the beginning, if, 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 and again, this is a big, if, if music is your full-time thing, you got to say yes to a lot of stuff, 
hopefully in the creative space, in the music space, as you're getting closer to doing exclusively the things that you're passionate about. And I'll even say this, um, not everything I even work on today, like after having done this for whatever, how, how many years it is now, like I'm not a crazy passionate about every single song that I produce. And that may be crazy to hear, but you almost don't have to be, you just have to be a professional. Like you have to make it sound amazing. You have to get it to where the client is happy. You have to do it where the label's happy. And I've had a lot of songs that have been very successful that I wasn't necessarily that passionate about either. I just, you apply the same skill set and the same service, regardless of what you're working on. So um, Dave, that was a super long answer to your question. Did, did that, did that, uh, is that helpful at all? Yeah, that's great. And just a quick follow-up. Yeah. Um, is it like, can you make enough money as a producer just doing demos? Uh, like mixing and mastering, it's going to take a while before I feel like I'm professional enough to do that. But I feel like I can do quality demos. And if I, could I do that almost full time and make music just doing demo? Quality? Yeah, I mean, you're hitting on you're hitting on a huge thing. I mean, demos is where all producers start like that. That is, um, you know, every mixer that I work with, Jim Cooley, um, Jeff Giuliano, all those guys, when they first started, it was demos. And eventually you get really good and your demos get sounding better and better over time to where they pretty much just turn into masters. And then people start releasing those. And then here's the beauty nowadays of getting in early with somebody doing demos is you can work out creative deals on the front end where if it's like, okay, an artist wants to release it, then you can start to have the discussion of like, okay, well, either they do like just the master buyout or you can even do creative things like I've, I've done with Cooper Allen where you literally just split the master. And that's where you can actually do pretty well, just like we learned on, on, on Manifest Training yesterday, when you actually have some master ownership, that's when you can start making some decent money but but it does start with with doing demos so the short answer is yes um the other tangent i'll i'll or caveat I'll, I'll add to that is getting really fast at it like if you can just get it down to a system and almost kind of have a template in some in some senses or at least a few different types of templates that you that you go to to where you can crank them out really quick um there's a guy that I, I we should actually have him on at some point mm -hmm. he's not a he's not a songwriter per se but just a, you can learn a lot from him in terms of his work ethic but it's a guy named johnny fung who is a, a guy that i hire all the time to play on demos and productions and masters he's just an incredible multi-instrumentalist but the reason i love him is uh he's he's really good obviously the tones are good he plays a lot of different things he's versatile I can send him something. He'll send me back tracks. But what I love about it is it's usually within like a day. It's he's so fast and yes, he works a lot. Like that's just, that's the long and short of it. Like, uh, but I sent him something yesterday at the end of my session and I'll have demo tracks back on it today, probably by three o'clock. And he just has gotten it down to a system where I, and I'm not the only one he's working for. He's doing a lot of work for a lot of, a lot of people. So speed is ultimately why I keep going back to him because I can get stuff turned back. It's, the quality is good, the price is right, and the speed is there. There are a lot of guys who I've just kind of stopped using because I may have to wait a couple weeks or seven days even, which you know sounds like why why don't you just wait seven days? Well, if you, I'm a big fan of getting stuff just turned around quickly. I think there's virtue and speed, and um, 
I don't know. So I would just put that put that in the ringer too. And obviously, when you start out, you're not going to um, be blazing fast. But just just think about that as you're as you're working on stuff. Just not not spending too much time on any one one thing. So does that make sense? Awesome. Thanks, Seth. Yeah, largely that's what I was doing when, when I when I first started working in the studio. I mean, it was pretty much glorified demos. You know, we would get a band in every day. It was a new song every day, a new band every day. Start from scratch, finish it by the time the band left. Send them a send them a mix, and it was just a factory like that. And so we'd get them in at nine o'clock and send them a mix by nine o'clock at night. You know, <laughs> um, and so I learned I learned speed in a in a real way back then. And to have a viable production business and demo production business, you kind of have speed has to be a part of the, the equation. So using the trainings that X is teaching and music production mastery. I mean, he's given you guys yeah. tons of gold, tons of shortcuts. Have you, are, are you guys getting a lot out of that? I mean, I, I've watched back through some of the stuff. And I'm like, man, this is like, yeah. X is just crushing it. He's crazy. It's genius. So um, yeah, hope, hope that that answers your question, Brian, in a very long winded way. Or uh, not Brian, Dave. I mean, he did post a question in the chat. I was looking at Brian yeah. in the chat, and then yeah. Um, we can jump over to Jessica. Yeah, you want to jump over to Jessica? She's got her hand raised. Yeah. All right. Hey, I've got a couple questions. Um, so yesterday when we were doing the Spotify training, um, we were talking about owning your masters, and you you said like distro distro kid automatically let Spotify know that. But if you're not with, I'm with TuneCore, is that, is the process the same? Um, like it, if I own my masters, are they going to automatically know that? Yeah, it's, it's the same exact thing. Okay. Spotify is going to assume whoever has distributed mm -hmm. it is going, that's who it's going to pay for it. Okay. So when I'm, so I'm on BMI when I register my song and I take the 200% because it's, because I don't have a registered um, publisher's name, that 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 all works out the same, right? So um, you're hitting on the publishing side. So so there's two different sides, and I'm glad I'm glad you're asking this because this is another okay. chance, another chance to clear it up. Um, when we're talking about making money in music, there are really two different streams. The stream A is the master side, and stream B is the publishing side. So the master. Oh, yeah. The master goes to whoever owns the, the the master, the master rights owner. That could be you as the artist who has funded it and paid for it. And so you own it. It could be the label ultimately, um, you know, who owns master. And then publishing is just the writers, like whoever's written on the song, whoever has writer credit. So what you're talking about on the BMI side, BMI doesn't have anything to do with the master side. They, they are just publishing side. So okay. you do need to make sure you have both set up. Yeah. Otherwise you won't get paid on, you know, you want to make sure your master stuff is set up and you want to make sure your publishing stuff is set up correctly as well. So um, as it relates to the process of, I, I, I'm not sure what you're referring to with the 200% thing, um, but uh, maybe you could clarify that. I am, so I know when you go, when you uh, like ASCAP does it a little bit differently because if you, if you're gonna claim gosh I'm, I'm not knowing all of my terms I think it's like if you like a lot of y'all are setting up your own company name right so mm -hmm. that you can go in and, and do and do that but on BMI 
they don't they don't have you separate here's a hundred here here's a hundred to this company name I made up so I can put the hundred there they just let you let you take up to two hundred percent if you don't if if basically you are the company okay so, gotcha yeah. Yeah, I wasn't um, aware of that. I wasn't aware of that, but that's maybe that's just a different way they do it within their system. But yeah, so but but then but then I guess with my question, I, as long as I'm registering my song on TuneCore, that shows that I own the master if I'm the one registering it, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then my other question was, how do you how do we get radio play? Because I know like a lot of income can come from the time the right time on the radio. How do we get our songs pitched that way if we're an indie artist? Yeah, I, I always tell people to focus first on streaming and then on radio. Like, I wouldn't okay. even put... Ra- to do radio really well is crazy expensive. Oh. Depending on what format. Like, what kind of music do you write? Like, um, so that's my other question. <laughs> I do, like, pop with, like, a jazz throwback, like, jazz funk throwback. But sometimes it feels more like R&B or maybe it feels more like jazz, but it's always got like pop elements in it. Yeah. So if you're going to go, well, first of all, just breaking that down, like <clears throat> there, there really isn't much of a jazz radio market to even to even market to. It's, it's more the playlists on Spotify that actually do well, that. Well, think Nora Jones then. Think Nora Jones because it's more like songs that you, you really would hear on the radio. Nora Jones, gotcha. even a little bit of Adele. Yeah, so I mean, if it's in the pop realm, I mean, you're talking millions of dollars to actually do a radio campaign. So it's uh, not even like I would put it just so far out of your head. Like, uh, what, what I hope you take away from it is if somebody offers you to promote your single and charge you $10,000, just run the other way. Um, it's not going to do anything, especially if you're trying to make a dip, dent in the pop market. Um, the way to that, that artists really break through there is by having a story, having something that blows up somewhere else, whether it be TikTok, which is largely how artists are breaking stuff nowadays, you know, something goes viral on TikTok, which means it goes viral in a lot of cases on Spotify, which means it streams like crazy. And then Spotify picks it up in the algorithm and they say, oh, this is doing really well. Let's add it to this playlist and then that playlist and then that playlist. And then once yeah. it racks up, you know, 10 million, 50 million streams on Spotify, you may look at, oh, I'm actually making a lot of money on this. Like maybe I want to reinvest some of that into a radio uh, promotion or something like that. But you're not just going to want to take money that you haven't made yet to do that. It just it it rarely yeah. ever works that way. So um, it's not just it's not a simple. So I guess in my head I had no idea. I thought, is it do you do you can you send your song to like the radio station? Yeah, I just. I mean, you could always local stations, maybe. Yeah, there are local yeah. stations. It's it's not going to move the needle a whole yeah. lot, but everything helps. Like it's it's it, it's yeah. it's not to say don't do it. Like if you've got a local station that you can develop a relationship with, by all means, yeah. do it. But largely, radio is tied up by iHeartRadio now. They own ninety percent of all radio stations that actually move the needle, and those are completely controlled by major labels 99% of 9 99.9% of what they play is is from the major labels i've had some of my songs played on local radio stations and i didn't pay anything for it but i guarantee you i didn't make anything from it either and oh you know it's cool like i think it's it's cool it's cool to turn on the radio to say that yeah Yeah, I i did like an interview and so it was cool but like other than that 
you know, it did not do anything. Yeah. It's, you may pick up, you know, five, 10 new fans who yeah. are listening and, yeah. and Hey, that's, and that's cool. all each one of those that's things different. is great, Yeah, but you don't have to pay for that. Like no. that, that's yeah. just go, go build relationships mm-hmm. organically. Um, I just wouldn't encourage anybody like even if you're doing a, uh, I know a lot of people in our group write Christian music and worship music. Like even if you're thinking of doing a Christian radio campaign, like you've still got to spend tens of thousands to actually do that to where it even makes a dent. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I encourage people like, hey, focus on streaming first, focus on things like TikTok and achieving, you know, uh, a story somewhere else. And then if that starts to make money, then reinvest that into promotion. Like maybe you want to go record a music video of it and then put some ad dollars behind that mm-hmm. or maybe you hire a publicist or something. Yeah. But I never encourage people to start with that because um, I do encourage people to start with something. Like I, I do think having some budget to market your music, whether, even if it's just, even if I honestly, I know yeah, some ahead. of you hate like social media. And so I think for like <laughs> the times that we're living in right now, hiring a social media manager could be a worthwhile investment. If you're like, I hate this, I don't want to deal with it. And I just want to like give them the content and let them run with it. Let them create the kind of the captions and that marketing aspect and like the ads and with the budget, it can be confusing when you try to run, you know, Instagram ads or, or whatever. And so I don't know that that's also, that could be a step if that's, one of you, you know? Yeah, that could be a step, but, but definitely having something to put towards it. Like yeah. even if it's a dollar a day and you're yeah, boosting, yeah. boosting, a, a it'll show up on people's content, page. You yeah. know? It's just having something to plan on it. Like I would highly recommend spending any money on those types of things, as opposed to like even thinking about radio. It's just, mm-hmm. um, I was actually talking to Kenley, my publisher yesterday was in here and he was talking about, they were doing like their year end reviews and he was sharing with me because they do Taylor Swift, like Taylor Swift has all of her catalog with Sony. And they were sharing me like what her first deal was when she was 14 versus 2012 when she re-signed. It's crazy. I can't say what the number was publicly, but it's a very large number. Um, but hearing um I had a point with that, what I was where I was going with that. Remind me. Um, what we were just talking about before this. We were talking about radio. Oh, okay. So he was talking about the year review. Taylor Swift was part of it. They were doing reviews through all their writers and the, the royalty statements and stuff. And they're actually having writers recoup their deals now purely off of streaming uh, royalties. Not yeah. not the master side, just the publishing side, which, you know, you hear a lot of times like, man, songwriters can't make any money on Spotify. But hey, here's he's this is a major label publisher telling me yesterday they they just had a guy recoup his entire deal, which was a pretty decent publishing deal, you know, tens of thousands of dollars um, just off of streaming royalties. Now he has a lot of activity. There's hundreds of songs out there that are getting lots of streams. Um, But it's just to say that that's where I put, I would put all my energy today. And then if something blows up and works in that streaming world, then it may make sense to look at other avenues like radio okay that's really helpful perspective because um yeah i got it i could be all over the place and i want my energy to like be effective right Put yeah it, focus it, it yeah focus it where and, and it's not a dumb question at all like a lot of people think oh radio you just yeah like you said just send the song I have no idea yeah you say right. campaign and i'm like what does that even look like that yeah. like that's so over my head I mean, I'm so, working with I'm working with you know new and developing country artists all the time, and they're not they're not even thinking about touching radio until they have 
you know, millions of streams and like an actual business model that's running. And even then a lot of them don't even worry about it. They just, you know, they make a, a great full-time living off of streaming and, um, you know, maybe Sirius XM is one that I would put a little asterisk next to. Okay. Um, if you can somehow, and this isn't just like an overnight thing, this is like over, over the course of years and figuring out how to strategically do this, but building a relationship with folks at Sirius XM can be one of the most valuable things that you can do because here's the secret that nobody knows about Sirius XM is they, they pay through sound exchange and sound exchange goes to whoever the artist or performer on the track or the master owner is on the track. And here's the crazy thing. Like uh, every single Sirius XM channel pays the same royalty, regardless of what the format is. So the same Sirius XM that's playing Taylor Swift has to pay the same royalty rate as, you know, singer songwriter jazz playlists or whatever. And so people can make, uh, uh, you know, pretty decent mm-hmm. money off of Sirius XM plays on, on the sound exchange side. So cool. um, there's not really a quote unquote campaign per se that you can go after just to, Hey, we want to promote exclusively to Sirius. Cause really it's just, it's, it's a person like each, each of them, each, each, like the country market has a guy, the Christian market has a guy, which in, incidentally, both of those are the same guy, but you know, <laughs> each, each kind of has, has a programmer. And if you can find ways to, you know, go interact with them, go meet them, add value, become, you know, make make a fan out of them, essentially, of what you're doing, then they can feel like they have ownership. They're a part of, like, breaking something, part of discovering something, you know. Um, J.R. Schumann, who used to do the country stuff at, at Sirius uh, XM The Highway, um, he he's no longer there, but that was one of his big things was, like, you know, and you never quite knew like, okay, well, how do we get on his good side or whatever? And, you know, you just, it's all the typical stuff, right? You sometimes spending the $500 on a dinner to take them out is, is, is a great investment. Right. Um, so it's those types of things. Um, and it's not something you just develop overnight. I mean, they're, they're highly pursued kind of people, but just keep that in the very back of your mind long over the long haul. Like, if you have any angles there and if you have something that's really working on streaming or TikTok or something and that you can leverage into something like that, then that can be a really, really effective one to go after. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sure. It's a great question. Yeah. Um, we go over to Angela. Angela has had her hand raised for a bit. How you doing, Angela? I think you're muted still. Yeah, I might have to hit that little unmute button. All right. So, hey, guys. It's been a long time. Nice to see you. How you doing? Good, good. Snowing out here in Switzerland a bit. Wow. Oh, man. I'm jealous. I know. I got like cold <laughs> and me here. It's cold. It's, it's cold, but no snow. Yeah. So, actually, Jessica hit a little bit on my question um, when she brought up um, writer versus artist when you're um, releasing. We have a, a co-write that we're going to be releasing or that we're working toward releasing soon. And I, um, Vanessa's on here. And so I thought Ken, yeah, Ken is also on here and we're doing a, a co-write. We have a kid song that we're getting ready to uh, take to the, to the next level. Um, and so we're, we're going through all that like copyright, um, 
we're, some of us are on ASCAP, some of us are on BMI. Um, so my question is, is who's the writer? We know who the writers are. Who's the artist? Uh, we all contributed. Um, if we all want to be considered the artist, do we need a band name? Yeah. We, <laughs> that's, that's basically the start of my question. No, that's a great question. Um, yes, is the short answer. <laughs> um, yeah. So what you can, you can do a lot of different things here. Like, okay. this is the beauty of it is there's, you can really kind of create your own rules at the beginning. Right. Um, if you find a group of people that you love doing stuff with, and you just want to find a way to get stuff out there and everybody's contributing, you know, maybe everybody is, is contributing in a way where you're, you're splitting the cost and you, you all want to like share in the master ownership. It doesn't necessarily have to be that everyone is like a listed artist. It's just, if you, if you guys want to do that or not, like it's, it would basically mean creating your own branding and profile for it. Obviously having imaging artwork, you know, sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you have, what I would ask is like, so it's, you said it's kids music. It's a kid's song. Um, I, I do already have an artist account on Spotify. I'm singing on it. Um, but everybody has contributed and, and we're in discussion about it right now and no one wants to step on anybody's feet. We're just trying to figure out how do we do this so everybody yeah. has ownership of the master and we can move I mean, you forward can, with this. You can, still do, you can still do master ownership even if people aren't listed as a featured artist. Um, I mean, I do that all the time with like, you know, I'm on stuff with Samson as and where like my name isn't on Spotify as an artist, but like as the producer, my deal with him was like sharing master ownership. So you can do that. That's that's always an option. Um, check into the back end of like TuneCore and CD Baby. The other thing that you can do is if the other writers involved want to have an artist profile is you can do like a featured um, like if they have an artist profile and mm -hmm. and you want to have have it be listed it can be multiple artists and that's okay. where that's where you'll just have to look into like you don't have to form a whole new entity like it could be your profile that you already have with they are, your profile they plus already have one. plus another yeah. one they already have the thing you just need to make sure that's listed is on spotify uh or on um tunecore or whoever you're uploading mm -hmm. through usually I, I usually go through cd baby because just because i have okay because yeah. they yeah i would i would say just check check the back end on cd baby there usually is a way in the upload process to specify who are the um sometimes they might call it the featured artist or the okay performer performing artist um so that's where you can specify multiple ones and if each of them has their own spotify for artists profile um it will automatically link to each which can be a great strategy too. So if, if, oh, if you yeah. Feel like, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Okay. But for the, so that that's kind of separate than from the master ownership, but, but Spotify needs to know that. Correct. Okay. Yes. So, and so it's going the, four ways. Yeah. So the, I've done it a couple of different ways. Um, <clears throat> I work a lot with a distributor called STEM um stem.io i think is the website they are awesome for this kind of stuff where you're doing like master splits um 
the, you, you basically, whoever's uploading it would just input like who are the other various rights holders on it. You put whatever percentage each person has. It sends them an email to claim their, you know, stake in it basically. And then it automatically just funnels the distributions out according to that. So, um, so STEM, I, I don't know if any of the other ones have options like that. Okay. Uh, you might, you might look in maybe CD baby and tune core and distro could have that. I, I'm not sure if that's a, if that's a thing, but I know stem.io does it that way. And we've done it on a lot of deals that way where you don't even have to think about it. They don't have to think about it. It's just auto it's automated based off of how you upload it basically. Okay. So I would definitely check into that as a, as a distribution option. Okay. And so, so for me, I I'm on ASCAP uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar going in and I'm listing myself as an artist. I'm, and then we're basically going to list the other contributing artists or writers. Yeah. At, That's and the publishing side, right? Correct. In, in the case of ASCAP, it's not going to be the artist. It'll, it'll be, I guess you would put the name of the performing artist just so it's, it has a way to track the song, but you're ultimately going to put like, there's probably going to be two separate columns. Like there's probably going to yeah. be another one for the writers as well. And that's where you would input their info, like their IPI number, whatever, if, whether they're BMI or CSAC. Um, and does each person need to do that? Yes, each person should make sure it's registered in their own portal. Like, okay, yeah. So, so all three should do it. Like, if you have a song that's being released, and if you have a song that you know is going to be released. You should make sure it's registered in yours. You should make sure it's registered in the other person's and they should make sure it's registered in theirs. Because otherwise, if you don't have it registered in yours, like there's just going to be a third of the money going nowhere. It'll just go into one of their systems, basically. Who's investing that money? (laughs) Just kidding. In in terms of that unknown third going somewhere. Yeah, it's staying in someone's bank and it's accruing interest. (laughs) Well, that that would be BMI or CSAC or ASCAP. They call that breakage in the industry. That's money that comes in. That's a huge, huge, we can die. We we don't have to go way into this, but that's a a big thing you'll, you'll find in record contracts and record deals. You'll want to make sure that you have favorable breakage terms because breakage terms, wow. breakage, breakage essentially, which you don't need to worry about any of this right now because it's just when <laughs> no, you're just going to note it. Yeah. But breakage is basically the money that gets paid that is unattributable. Mm-hmm. So you, it may seem hard to believe, but there are tens of millions of dollars that come in these giant ecosystems, these buckets every year that nobody knows where it's coming from. <laughs> wow. So it's, uh, and this is over the course of the whole industry, you know, it's not just, <clears throat> um, it's, it's over the course of trillions of streams that, you know, Spotify has to pay out a negotiated rate and Apple has to pay out a negotiated rate. So just over time, it's just impossible to tie everything out exactly. So um, breakage might be payments where they get a back payment, like, like what's happening right now with, um, this is, this is more on the publishing side, but this would be an example of it. Spotify is all of a sudden going to have to make a lump sum payment next year because of the renegotiated rates that are retroactive. So the rates are going to go up a little bit every single year. So that's a good thing for writers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it may or may not be a huge amount, but it will be a lump sum payment that gets paid into a publisher. And then that breakage, that excess, that lump sum isn't necessarily like, hey, this is for X amount of streams. This is literally just what we were short in paying you. 
So that's up to them at, at that point to break it out between the riders. So you just want to make sure that you have an understanding of that if you if you enter into any kind of a um, recording agreement. Okay. I have two quick questions, I guess. Yeah, sure. The the CSAC, <laughs> that's what it's called, right? CSAC, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah the CSAC. Yeah. That, so that's basically for international, correct? Um, so ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC are all American companies. Okay. Um, I'm thinking of international playing, but I, maybe that doesn't matter anymore. Well, each here, no, it does matter. Um, if you're in Switzerland, I don't know. Do, so you have a BMI account, but you live in I, Switzerland. She's ASCAP. Yeah. I have an ASCAP account that I set up originally when I lived in the States. I did release a song this last year from Switzerland, but with my ASCAP number. I've oh. had some plays in Europe. Oftentimes, what well, we're not oftentimes, but the only way I've seen it is each country has its own society. Basically, the three societies are in in, in the states are ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC. Canada has a separate one called SOCAN. Um, the UK has one called APRA. The okay, so uh, I need to find this out. Yes, you find out who who is the society in Switzerland, basically, and chances are. Um, like if somebody's SOCAN and they live here in the States, SOCAN has a deal with ASCAP. So they probably usually would pay through ASCAP to that person. But since you live in Switzerland, I think it w- I would think it'd be the other way around. And you'd want to make sure you're registered with whatever the society is over there. And, and you definitely want to make sure you talk to them just to get the technicalities of it. Cause I don't know how the flow fully works there, but there is a company over there. I can probably find out the name of it in two seconds, actually. Um, because like on my CSAC statements, like it'll show the different international societies, um, performance rights organization. What is the Switzerland performance rights organization? It's called Mm -hmm. Suisa S U I S A. So that's the Swiss copyright collection and performing rights society. So you want to, you want to get in touch with them. Um, Usually there's some kind of a, uh, a contact, uh, let's see. I'll, I'll check it out. I, be, I know, I mean, some of the people that recorded on this song that we're going to releasing, be releasing is, are from here. So I'm sure that through their social media, they're going to be talking about how they're singing on this song. Go listen to my song. So. Yeah, I mean, if it gets, you know, each country has its own playlists. Like it, it has, you know, there's Swiss Apple Music playlists and Swiss Spotify playlists. And yeah. just like there's Swedish Spotify playlists and stuff. And so, yeah, you, you want to make sure you're registered, especially if it's a country where the performers are there and it's getting promoted and, and potentially gaining some playlists on it. Yeah, it's possible because it's tiny here. <laughs> exactly that's that's the good i mean that's the good and the bad right i mean it's yeah. it's uh yeah okay yeah. great so i would look into that i'm I'm just double checking it looks like it's called swiss uh some, something like that but just Swiss. yeah yeah exactly s-u-i-s-a yeah yeah, yeah. okay thank you yeah so we've got some questions in the chat vanessa's asking did you have any more questions angela or was that, was that i i think I think that, I mean, I don't want to take up everyone's time. No, you're good. We you're got, good. we got time. That's why we're here. This okay. 
So what, the last time I released a song, I released it through CD Baby. And I know that they asked me to sign something like we will be gathering and tracking all of your um, all of your plays and all of your sales. But doesn't ASCAP also do that? Did I take it away from ASCAP when I signed that? Um, well, CD Baby is going to be your master side. Okay. okay ASCAP, great. ASCAP is going to be the publishing side. Okay. Then I'm clear. Yeah. And somebody actually brought this up. There, there was another company. What was it called? Song Trust. Yeah, Jessica said Song Trust um, does international. That's in addition to your PRS. So yeah, you'd probably want to make sure you're registered with them as well, or somebody like them. Songtrust.com. Um, collect all your global publishing royalties. Okay, I see that, Jessica. Thank you. Yeah, how Song Trust collect? They have the whole videos on how it works. Um, you want, so yeah, you ultimately want to make sure you're probably registered with Song Trust with your with your PRO and of course CD Baby for the master side. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I know it's confusing. It's <laughs> it I'm still like I've I've been in the business since 2005 and I'm I'm just now getting my head around how some of it works. And it's complex. It is the the global music rights are is most confusing business there is. I don't know why it's so complicated, but it just it is well, it's, that like, it's like you said earlier, you know, like you have pieces of this that you love to do. And then there's the other stuff that you need to do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This isn't this isn't your passion. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's they're not the fun stuff. Yeah. This isn't the fun stuff. This is this is what you have to do in order to actually monetize it. So, yeah. OK. Important, but great. not necessarily fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Great questions, Angela. I'm sure, sure, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of good info for, for hopefully everybody else too. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made It in Music podcast. Make sure to check out our other episodes. We have well over a hundred interviews with some of the top music industry pros, many here in Nashville and many from all over the world. Subscribe to make sure that you automatically get future episodes and leave us a review if you loved it. It would really help us out. Or send an email to support at fullcirclemusic.com if you have ideas for how we can improve the show. See you in the next episode.